Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets, high-performance gas ranges, or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit the Ferguson Showroom on Powell Avenue in Nashville and discover the controlled convenience of Jet Air's connected wall oven. Innovative, intuitive, and in the palm of your hand. Reinvent your kitchen with Jet Air and find it at Ferguson. Kevin so Harlan is the play-by-play man for Westwood One, uh, Super Bowl 54, and he joins us here on our broadcast site. He's calling his 10th consecutive Super Bowl, and that's a record. He's going to break. He's tied currently with Jack Buck for the most consecutive play-by-play calls for a Super Bowl in any medium. That's a lot of Super Bowls. And, Kevin, congratulations. Thank you. You call Super Bowl number 10 in a row on Sunday. I'm excited and uh, in awe. You know, um, we all have heroes growing up, and Jack Buck was my hero. The funny story is uh, my dad worked for the Cardinals, the baseball Cardinals in the late 60s. He was there with Lou Brock and um, Orlando Cepeda and Joe Torre and Roger Maris and Bob Gibson. And he used to take my brother to Saturday home games at Bush Stadium, and he took me to Sunday. We'd go to church, we'd have breakfast, then we'd go to the game. He would go work as the media relations director for the baseball Cardinals, and uh, I would roam the, the, I'd go to the clubhouse, I'd go on the field and play pepper with the players. But one of my favorite places would be in the back of the KMOX broadcast booth with Harry Carey and Jack Buck. And then, of course, when I got in the business, Jack Buck was doing Monday Night Football. So Jack Buck's name and what he's done in this business, the legacy he's left, and with his uh, wonderfully talented son Joe, it, it's uh, it's. I'm honored to be in that same sentence with him, and uh, looking forward to number ten coming up this Sunday. What was the coolest Pepper experience you had? Uh, with um, there was an outfielder, and I think his name was jose cardinal i'm not sure but but there are a couple players that were very nice and it was always the dominican players actually Is that right? yes that were very very nice but i uh i was friends with kevin shandings who was red shandings he was the manager and lou brock's son actually went to go play uh defensive back i think at usc played some college football and uh, i knew him when he was a little guy too but you know they don't allow the pepper games anymore in back of home plate. In yeah. fact, I think their signs say no pepper games. Why is that? Because it messes up. The I garden. don't know. I don't know why it is. That's a good question. I, I've always looked at that, and I've, I've asked other people, and no one seems to have an answer. But I, but I will tell you that that I used to play, and that was a lot of fun as a as a little kid growing up in that atmosphere. And then we we moved up to Green Bay, and I started doing football stuff after that. But the baseball was fun. You can't fake the energy that you bring to a broadcast. I'm, I'm interested to ask you this question because whether you're calling a Super Bowl or a preseason game, it's it's always the same in terms of how you come across in a broadcast. Is there a secret to that, or are you legitimately that excited to be doing every event that you do? Because you, you call a lot of them, obviously. Well, I love the business. I love, I love the broadcasting business, and I've been doing it. Uh, on the air, literally on the air since I was 14, but what began when I was in my room like when I was 11 and 12 years old. And I do love sports, and I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty emotional person as it is, so I guess that mixture, that, that's a recipe for, for being that way. But, you know, I guess I, 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 would, I would tell my wife, and I'm going through a room sometimes, and I'll hear a game, and I won't know who's doing it. I go, why aren't those guys more excited? And I'll look at the score. Well, my gosh, it's in the second half, and it's a three-point game, and there's not many. And I, and, and I don't know, I think it drives some people crazy. It drives my wife crazy. And, and, and sometimes I'll listen back and I'll cringe. 
but I, 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 the one thing it is, it, it is natural and it is legit, and I am not. You'd be exhausted if you tried to fake that, like right? It would. It, oh yeah. It's exhausting listening to when I'm not faking it. So I know it'd be exhausting if you were trying to conjure up that excitement. So I do love the business, and I do love sports, and feel very fortunate to be doing something that I love, and I do love the, the business I'm in. We'll hear Kevin Harlan on the call for Super Bowl 54 right here on 104.5 The Zone this Sunday. I was reading where you had a college professor who called Super Bowl one. Yes. Tom Hedrick. Wow. And, and then he went. He, he was the voice of the Chiefs. He was the voice of the Chiefs. And uh, in Super Bowl one, as you learn as you go through all these Super Bowls, it was not organized like this. Right. It was just kind of like, let's start connecting some dots here. And they were looking who's going to broadcast the game. Uh, there were two networks. It was NBC and CBS. NBC did the AFL uh, broadcast, and, and CBS did the NFL broadcast because the two leagues had not merged by Super Bowl one. It was still just the, the championship of professional football. So Hank Stram suggested, how about my play-by-play voice, Tom Hedrick, to do the radio play-by-play with a guy in Chicago named Jack Drees, who was a famous national radio sportscaster at the time. And CBS said, sure, that sounds fine. So Tom Hedrick did Super Bowls one and four. The Chiefs were in both of those. And then all these years later, um, I went to the University of Kansas because I could uh, – learn under Tom. He was the voice of the Jayhawks at the time. And he said, if you come to Kansas, I'll put you on the network as an 18-year-old freshman. You can do pregame, halftime, postgame, and sideline reports. And everything he promised came true. And it was the one place where I could get actual experiences. So that's why I chose Kansas. And Tom just happened to be my guy. So I was the voice of the Chiefs like Tom was uh, for nine years and have done these Super Bowls like Tom and now doing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So Tom is still alive. He's 85. He's the last remaining living voice Radio or TV from Super Bowl One. Jim Simpson did the radio for Super Bowl One on NBC, and he was he was truly one of my my big heroes when I was growing up. Kevin Harlan, our guest on the Midday One Eighty. I know you're trying to do the same job no matter where you are. I've always wondered though if you're broadcasting in Baltimore, Tennessee, where the press level is nice and low and central. Oh, this oh, is a good question. Or, or you're broadcasting good, listen in, to you. uh, well, in Miami Jacksonville or at MetLife where it's very high if you're broadcasting from a corner place like Miami I think is how much of a bearing does that have on the job that that's a great que- that's a great broadcast question um, the last game I did here was a Monday night game two years ago against New England we were on the opposite side of where the TV cameras were shooting now that's and enclosed in the end zone like the worst possible place I should have been out in the parking lot looking on my wristwatch at a game you know and and um, so in Nashville, we're a little low, and I would prefer to be a little bit higher. Oh, too low. Uh, yeah, we're too low in Nashville. We're too low in Baltimore. Um, See, to, great, me, gr- to me, from a, a writing press box, yes. there's no such thing as too low. Like, right, you can't be bad. close enough. Yes. And also you can yes. get downstairs very fast. Yeah. The problem is it's a lot of this. And sometimes you'd like to, as a broadcaster, like to see like this. But I, I, I get what you're saying. You want to be close because you can, you can pick up a lot more things. So um, our our cameras are one story up i think in nashville so i watch a lot of it off the monitor and very little of it through my binoculars live unless there's a long pass then i take my eyes off the monitor and look at the play so i can spot the receiver in the in the defensive back the best place probably kansas city the meadowlands there are a couple others and there are some bad ones too some are really high um but but uh 
I'd rather have it in Nashville than too far back and too 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 up high. Kevin Harlan, our, our guest. Do you put another business side of things here? Do you think more networks will go to the in-studio broadcast of a game? Are we moving towards that? I think my daughter works for ESPN, and she has done some of those. They call them Remy's, which is remote. Uh, the producer and director are in Bristol. Yes. And and they are talking, you know, in the headsets about, all right, you're on in five seconds, but they're, you know, 1,000 miles away. And I think you lose a little bit. I think the broadcaster that is in a studio, a sterile studio, and they pipe in crowd noise and everything else, I, I think I think it takes a little bit away. But the savings, the cost savings is phenomenal. I mean, you're saving airfare and everything else. So um, hotel rooms, all of it. So, it, yeah, it changes, it changes the dynamic. But I don't know that people care. I don't. I think they just want to watch the game, and I don't know that they care. What I'm really concerned about in the NBA in particular is there's uh, radio has now been shoved in the nether regions of the, of the arena. And they're now no longer on the floor. They're up high, and there's been a lot of talk about getting rid of the radio altogether, having a radio TV simulcast in the NBA. And so I can see positions like play-by-play beginning to siphon off a little bit here, which would be too bad. Kevin Harlan on the call for Super Bowl 54 uh, coming up. And, hey, thank you so much earlier this week for joining us to give thoughts on Kobe Bryant. That's oh, that, was, terrific. that was great. It was nice to be on with you folks. And it was a, um, it's been a tough week for sports fans. Even if you didn't follow the NBA, you knew about Kobe. And um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long week for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I guess, I guess what you take out of it is there was a guy trying to be a good dad and, and trying to, you know, do the right things after a playing career that had gained a lot of notoriety and renown. And, but, uh, yeah, very tough to lose someone like so young. And, of course, his daughter at 13 and yes. the other people on the, on the helicopter. Very tough. Great to see you. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you, guys. It. Thank you so much for having me on.